The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello there and welcome back in to the latest edition of the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. I am the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. Good to be back with you. Good to have a special guest coming in just a few moments. Chris Myers of Fox Sports' coverage of the NFL, among other things. Fox uh, Sports' coverage of NASCAR uh, as well. You've known Chris if you followed sports and sports media in particular for the better part of about a 35-year career at the national level with ESPN and now with Fox, ESPN Sports Center fame, the Up Close show that I want to talk to him about, the interview show, uh, etc. So I look forward to talking with Chris about broadcasting NFL games, including Buccaneer preseason games and then regular season uh, for Fox. So he's going to have some great insight on the preparation for both, his mindset, all of that. I think you're going to enjoy that. Uh, with Chris Myers. It's up there. It's out there. It's a home run there. He's going to be here in a few moments right here on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. Thank you for finding me, however you've done that, through a social media link, through lastwordonsports.com, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Again, make sure you follow or subscribe to this podcast feed because you're going to get great content here all the time. George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know with a Chicago slant about the Chicago media, but he also expands nationally with Chicago roots. Uh, So George has got his ninth season that's about to start up uh, talking to the different Chicago personalities and sports media personalities that have some tie in there. That's on this podcast feed. And then Phil DeMont Mullen and Mike Gill come your way later uh, in the week here after we're midweek, they come your way with the announcer schedules podcast. Who's doing it well on the national level, TV, radio, what's the list, some insights, some critiques, some great highlights and guests as well. Announcer schedules, the podcast also comes up here. So Chris, in a few moments, uh, a couple of quick things before we hear from him. Uh, number one, let's put a bow on the end of the women's world cup. Uh, we knew that the United States team was out a, a couple of weeks ago, as it turns out. Their dismal showing, their historically bad dismal showing, uh, it, it meant nothing but disaster for Fox's ratings. And we knew this. I mean, time displacement was going to be a big deal anyway, with the games being played 14 hours ahead in Australia. Again, the U.S. being eliminated probably cost Fox tens of millions of people watching uh, especially if the games had been in prime time. Instead, you go into the semifinal round, you're barely able to even get a million people to watch. The Women's World Cup final on Fox got fewer than 2 million people to watch. That number is down over 85% from what it was four years ago. Now, we should take into account that four years ago, there was not the same amount of time displacement uh, to show the games from over in Europe, not a 14-hour displacement. So it was a little easier for Fox to get the audience and the U.S. team had gotten to the semifinals and then the championship match and won it. But uh, man, oh man, what a what a disaster for Fox. Again, they've got the NFL. They've got Major League Baseball in the postseason coming up. They'll have NASCAR uh, back around at the beginning of next year. But the Women's World Cup, a disaster 
ratings-wise for them, as it turns out. Uh, I did mention last week on the show, we were talking with Andrew Buckholtz of Awful Announcing, that at the time Andrew and I were talking, the announcement of Sage Steel's settlement with ESPN for uh, basically suing them for taking away her top assignments and, and for the most part, trying to destroy her career after she made comments that ESPN didn't politically agree with. Uh, it's not so much... Uh, that that Sage Steele was doing anything any different than other outspoken ESPN employees, front-facing, on-camera employees, sports center anchors, game broadcasters, TV talking heads, making outspoken statements. The difference is she had a different political viewpoint. And so she went after them with a lawsuit while still trying to work and maintain her job. And I did hear Sage's first exclusive interview. I I watched most of it with Megyn Kelly. Megyn Kelly, the former Fox News personality, the former briefly NBC uh, entertainment and and news personality who was ousted there like inside of a year because of, uh, of missteps, problems. They didn't like her. They didn't want her. They were trying to get out of their contract, et cetera. Interesting that Megyn Kelly's lawyer in trying to negotiate her settlement her severance with NBC was also Sage Steele's lawyer uh, against ESPN. But in that interview, a couple of things struck me. What I just laid out to you, the hypocrisy, the double standard at ESPN, that as long as you have left-center politics, leftist politics, even woke behavior, uh, that's allowed to go on and has been allowed to go on at ESPN. But as soon as you bring up the opposite viewpoint – uh, of uh, you know Republican right conservative values far right values uh, that that's deemed unacceptable and that's what she sued about so they've reached a settlement she has departed again as I mentioned last week I disclosed to you that I I know her personally I have not talked to her recently but I knew Sage Steele 20 plus years ago before she was ever an ESPN star when she worked in the Tampa St Pete market where I am as a local sports uh, reporter and anchor. Uh, and to listen to her and, and the emotion in her voice with her grown children, uh, her grown children receiving all kinds of threats on social media. She's not only receiving threats, they're receiving threats. Uh, what she's been through as a biracial uh, child from a biracial marriage uh, from the black community, it's disgraceful. It's awful to listen to what she has been through, again, for having a different political opinion. And you can see how hurt she is and how damaged and how they were trying to cancel her uh, out of her job. So in in one regard, good for her. And go find the interview. It's on YouTube. Uh, I know Megyn Kelly's show isn't as prominent. It's on Sirius XM. It's on YouTube. But it had had been viewed a couple hundred thousand times on YouTube this week after that interview. Go listen to Sage Steele in in her own words. And she's talking about the double standards at ESPN where you're allowed to have one particular uh, type of viewpoint, unfettered, unpunished. And as she said, the rules can't only be for some, but not for others. The rules have to be the rules for everybody. And in her case, there was retaliation. And it is fascinating, as it was uh, brought up by Megan Kelly, that in Disney's interaction with the state of Florida and Ron DeSantis, what is their claim before a federal court judge? that they were exercising their First Amendment rights and shouldn't be punished and shouldn't be retaliated against. And and yet, in Sage Steele's case, that's exactly what they were doing to her for being outspoken away from the workplace. 
And as Megan pointed out, she's a former lawyer, that uh, Sage Steele benefited from Connecticut law, which has precedents and, and repeated examples of employers not being able to get away with punishing somebody under Connecticut law for speaking their mind away from the workplace when it has nothing to do with your job or your job performance. And that's partially what she stood on, and she got a large settlement, obviously, uh, from ESPN uh, on this. And they look they look horrible for how they're treating. I mean, as again, another heartbreaking point of this is she talked about how to break through barriers for a woman at ESPN, a black woman at ESPN, how to raise other women up around her, elevate them as best she could with the ESPNW coverage that they had. And some of the things that she did on behalf of that, that they stripped from her and humiliated her in trying to cancel her. And she, as she said to Megan Kelly, these are things that I helped build that are near to near and dear to me beyond just working for ESPN. It's for the overall good of women and women's advancement in broadcasting. And they're trying to slander me, smear me and take all of that away from me. And it's it's tough. It's tough and it's wrong what what happened and good for her that she got whatever she got out of that. And hopefully she goes on to having much success uh, somewhere else. Her father dying in the middle of all of this uh, drama from cancer. Uh, she's been through a lot, has been through a lot. And again, I, I know her, know of her, know people that have worked with her. And she is fantastic. And did not deserve this. So I thought I would share some more of that in terms of sports media uh, and the ugliness uh, that's going on and, and ESPN's double standards on people that they're getting rid of and why they get rid of them. That doesn't seem to have rhyme or reason, but that is them. All right. So uh, there you go on that note. So speaking of ESPN, it's a place where Chris Myers once worked. He's now at Fox. Let's get into this conversation. I think you're going to find it fascinating because he's talking about his preparation for game broadcasts in the NFL, talking about some of his upcoming assignments in the NFL, and the versatility of his career. So I wanted to explore all of that uh, with him. Let's get to that now. Well, as mentioned, I love getting to be around this guy every August for the preseason, and sometimes I see him in the regular season of the NFL. It's never a bad time to say hello to the Chris Myers hanging out with me on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. Uh, great to see you these last couple of weeks, including in New York this past week. Glad you're doing well. How are things right now as we get ready to wrap the preseason soon coming this weekend with the Buccaneers and the Ravens? How are things? Things are good. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy, uh, yeah, as, I, as I said, the Bucks gave me an opportunity uh, from Florida to do play-by-play -play before uh, anybody else did. So uh, obviously it's got on with, with Fox. And so I, I look forward to people say, ah, preseason, you see the ratings, it still matters. It's important. You get to know teams, players, you get into a rhythm for the regular season. Uh, so, yeah, and it was nice. Uh, you know, the Jets, even if we didn't see Aaron Rodgers, you, you watch the team, you get to see some of the players. Ian Eagle comes over to the booth next door, says hi from another network, uh, looks forward to the season ahead. So, uh yeah it's a, it's it's a, it's a lot of fun it's a great time of the year and uh, i always uh love getting to talk with you about football and about how everything's going to begin we're going to talk more about sports media here but at the time we're taping this the buccaneers have been trying to decide who's the quarterback and look this was not unexpected but baker right. mayfield is officially the quarterback you worked the first game 
with him playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers, doing the play-by-play with Rondé Barber, local Buccaneer broadcast. What do you think of the prospects of Baker Mayfield now on his fourth team, hard to believe, quarterbacking the Buccaneers starting? It looks like he's going to play this weekend, Chris, and then moving yes. forward to start the regular season. Yeah, we expect the starters to play for the Bucs and the Ravens at uh, Raymond James on, on Saturday night and, and have that broadcast with Rondé Barber. I, I mean, I like the way the Bucs, I mean, yeah, people are like, hey, you dragged it out. I think it was important to give Kyle Trask the second-round pick for Florida, who's been there a while and hadn't had much of an opportunity because Brady was there. And then Blaine Gabbard backed him up to, to just get, give him a shot to do some things. And he played well. Yeah, his best game, and had the many preseason or no, uh, you know, against the Jets. And he pretty much played the entire game other than when John Wolford came in and, and was hurt uh, and now, now back uh, practicing. Uh, but Baker was the guy all along. And I, I, he's only 28 years old. I, I, you know, you go back, and I'm not making excuses. Uh, I, I think he's been humbled. I think he has the right attitude about where he is in his career. Uh, he's a feisty guy. Uh, my line is, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy you want to follow. You're just not sure where he's going to take you. And I, I think the Bucks hope he takes him to a successful season, maybe a playoff return. He's He's got it in him. He was doing well with the Browns, hurt his shoulder, played through it, uh, had some, you know, got him into the playoffs, wasn't the same after that. And then those teams, you know, he ran through Carolina, the Rams. It was all kind of so quick. Uh, and, hey, let's 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 take a shot. Look, the Rams and the 49ers were also interested in signing him uh, not to be a starter. Uh, so he, I think he saw the opportunity in Tampa Bay to sign and be the starter. It's the right play for the, for the Buccaneers to go in this direction. Uh, and his mobility uh, will help. Uh, and I, I think, you know, look, if you're a quarterback with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, you know, who wouldn't want to have those guys uh, to throw the football to? So it's, it gives the Bucs a little buzz. I mean, Brady put him into prime time, made him a contender. Uh, they were they had, they, look. They had issues, even winning a division, as as we know. Uh, but but this gives them a chance. I'm not saying he's going to be a savior. I'm just saying he he's he's one of the better options that they had. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Given the situation. Hey, you take the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs and win a playoff game for the first time in 30 years. That says something a couple of years ago for Mayfield, so we'll see if that's the case. And it's the first time PB post-Brady now for somebody at quarterback. Yes. And if I, not to get too much in the weeds, but Dave Canales, who spent a lot of time in, in Seattle with Pete Carroll's been part in that program, was around a lot. Shane Waldron's the offensive coordinator, but revived the career of Geno Smith. Okay, so if, if I would have said a year or so before this, who would you want, Geno Smith or Baker Mayfield, to, to, to run your team? You, you probably would have gone with Baker. So you saw what he could do there, and I, I think he's already – uh, kind of had an imprint on Baker and and the entire quarterback class as the, as, as the offensive coordinator 
for the Bucks and his energy, his enthusiasm. You feel a lot of that. You sit and talk to him. It's it's a it's a it's a you know different version of a Pete Carroll type coach. He's not the head coach, but let Todd run the defense. Let this guy Dave Canales run the offense with with Baker. He said something very important. Talk about preseason. Uh, you know, he. I was saying how tough it's to judge these quarterbacks when the starters aren't out there. He said, "Look," and I mentioned this in the broadcast. Part of being a starting quarterback is you have to elevate people around you. You know, guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to be in and out of the lineup. There's different situations that you got to do that. I mean, you know, you hope you don't have to do it a lot, but when you do have to do it, I think Baker has has shown that he can do some of that. And his movement and rollouts, and and even though he's not a tall quarterback, I think he's playing to the Canales in this offense playing to his strengths. Love this man's insight on a lot of fronts. Very versatile. Uh, He's won awards. Love all of this. So let's bring it back to sports media. Fans are fascinated by this. It is complicated to do a preseason game because, again, you're going three deep and even four deep at some positions where guys are going to be playing in the third quarter and the fourth quarter where most of us don't know who they are. Most fans don't know who they are. Tell me about the challenge of that in preseason, different than a regular season that only has 47 active players for a regular season game. Yeah, well, I have, you know, and I pulled this this board because I have help putting it together. As you can see, there's here, there. That's just one. He's one, holding up the, for the audience that can't see us. He's holding up a board that may be the size of a bed sheet, and it may not be. It's big. Yeah, yeah, it could, it could be. And that's what it, it looks like. And you've heard the expression about, you know, John Gruden's playlist or as an offensive, you know, the, the, the cheesecake factory menu. That's really what it looks like <laughs> with all those names. And it's our job. Number one, you want to get the pronunciations right. You know, maybe when a guy like Joe Tryon Shohanka comes along, right, or Lou Gedeke, right? You want, you know, we we weren't sure yet. Sometimes you'll ask people themselves, and they'll, well, you, whatever they call whatever you want. You know, like, well, what do you, what do you want? It's your name. You know, it's spelled one way, but we want to understand. So the pronunciation is important. Sometimes we slip, we stumble. Sometimes they change. Theismann, Dorset, whatever. Uh, so you get the names right. You got to attach the numbers. You want to have some information on each one of the guys. And thankfully, you know, with the, the Buccaneers preseason, their their personnel people, uh, guys in the front office, will help us out with like, hey, what'd you like in this guy? You're signing this running back from Syracuse. You know what happened here? So we have information. So I, I kind of like that process. It's so much more challenging than the regular season because of the numbers of players, as you said, but, but the, the advantage is you're usually just doing it in the preseason for that one team, that home team. You have to obviously have to know the NFL, but the priority is your broadcast team. If you're the Bucks, you're doing the Bucks. If you're an Eagles guy, you're, you care about the Eagles. So that gets the, the priority throughout the, uh, the broadcast. So, yeah, I mean, I have help. Uh, not only that, I have a researcher who will help print and I have cards done separately with separate notes in case somebody has, a game we need a little more information that it couldn't fit on the board, right? And now we have computer usage where somebody, you, you don't just Google because you want to make sure your sources are accurate, your <laughs> information. Uh, but but you also, I, I like to throw in nuggets about people that, you know, uh, maybe you didn't know. Like Dominic Daphne, tight end, trying to make the team. In between uh, his, his college at Indiana State and Iowa, he was a it was a bouncer for a while. That was his job. You know, it's okay. It tells you something. He's he's got to be tough, right? He gets hit out there. So I yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a fun a fun process. It's so different though because it's just the emphasis on one team. That when you do a national broadcast, obviously when you you have to be fair and equal to both teams as best you can. And uh, that's a perfect segue. He's done this before to starting up another NFL season of play-by-play on Fox. Robert Smith is your analyst, the former Ohio State Buckeye and the former Minnesota Viking. Jen Hale on the sideline. Uh, It's going to be good to be back with that crew again and with continuity. You have Carolina and Atlanta in the first week. 
what what is it like once the regular season begins and does it change your preparation a little bit as you mentioned you're now interested in both teams you're meeting with both teams and it's a different set of teams usually every week two more new teams next week two more new teams three weeks from now it's got to be a different challenge in that regard yeah and look the home audience they know their team as well as anybody so you're not trying to one-up them in any area you just want to call the game the best way you can with the information based on on the players the advantage we do have and i'll give you the the, the rundown for example carolina atlanta you go into friday you go into atlanta the home team you get to go to their practice we get to watch you know and that's nice they we see some things they trust us that we're not going to reveal a fake punt or, or that type of thing uh, on, on the crew. Then we meet uh, without cameras rolling with the head coach, quarterback, and coordinators, and our producer, director, myself, analyst, our reporter, and, and, and they'll help us out and we'll ask questions. What about this guy? Is this guy playing? And, and oftentimes they're very helpful. Uh, you know, this guy's not playing because of this reason. Uh, you know, I don't want it to come out in the broadcast, but, you know, his blocking needs to improve. You can word it the way you want, that type of thing. So there, there's some there's some access there. And then on, on Saturday, the visiting team comes in. So Carolina, in this case, and Bryce Young will get his first NFL start, the number one overall pick of the draft, the star from Alabama, the Heisman. So, you know, so we're excited to kind of get to meet him. Sometimes if it's a Green Bay or an Aaron Rodgers team that you've seen before, you know them a little bit and they know you and the production group. So you'll, you'll do the same thing with Carolina. You don't get to see their practice necessarily, but you can ask them about it so that Saturday night we go over our graphics as a group, uh, have a production dinner where we're locked in a hotel room and, and going over all different scenarios, the open video, uh, what, what kind of promotional things. And then Sunday, you, have, you know, it's go time. And as much as you prepare, and you know how this is covering games and calling games, you you just, you know, you, the action dictates. So the, you know, the play is the thing, the game is the thing, and everything else is, is window dressing. Now for TV, we have pictures, we have Nat Sound, uh, Fox, we have our rules analysts that jump in and, and Mike Pereira, the originator, and then Dean Blandino. So we have some support in that area if, there, if there's some question. Um, and and uh, that's kind of the process. But you're right about the teams early in the week. And I've already started studying, you know, Carolina and Atlanta and their players, uh, even though I'm working through the preseason with the Buccaneers. And then the following week, whatever team we have, I'm usually Sunday night on the flight home. Flight home. I already have a roster of the next team and I'm studying the numbers and the names and the, and the pronunciations just to get that out of the way early. So my mind quickly clicks into those two teams and, and we get notes daily on each team and some practice updates. Um, and that's how you, you, you prepare as the shortest way that I could explain it. And I know you shared with me, and we'll talk about it here, you're also going to do some college games with Robert Smith as well. So now you go from the NFL, and later in the year, you you may be doing a college game, again, with teams you're unfamiliar with. And it's a little different on getting the information, maybe not as much access, et cetera. Speak a little more to that challenge also. Yeah, and that's yeah. if you're not like one of the major colleges or major crews, yeah, the, the access, they just don't run the same system as the NFL in some schools are not as, I don't want to say as cooperative, but let's just say not as revealing about a player injury or what. And again, you're, you're, you're talking about amateur athletes, right? These are college kids. So there's a little bit of a different tone to the kind of game you're going to call versus how could he, you know, how could he make that throw or how could he throw the ball into the end zone like that, but, you know, with this situation, whatever. So uh, th there is that, but, but it does, the preseason helps you with the college games in terms of the numbers of players. And you know what drives you crazy, having you've done some of this with double numbers of guys, right? Offense, defense, that, yes. and they're not necessarily star players. So on a special teams player, like, man, I, you don't want to get the name wrong. I mean, sometimes you're doing the best you can within the timing. And that's where you have a spotter who can help with some of those types of things. And 
if you do if you do do your research with coach or coordinators, they'll kind of help you out on in this situation. This guy is mostly going to be out there, so you have kind of a kind of a head start. But uh, but I enjoy that. I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy you know preparing for the game. You know, it's almost like you know you practice all week and you can do all these other things, but you know you got to be on your game and give it your best in those three hours of of game time when you're when you're doing it live and you don't have second takes. Sometimes you make mistakes. You'll say a name you didn't even realize you said it. That's where you hope a producer or your analyst with somebody will help point it out. So people don't think, hey, does he really know that that's his first name instead of calling him this? Uh, and, and yeah, yeah. I'm like, did I say that? Did I call him that? Does what he I really know this? he's not doing the Vikings this week? It's yeah, that, right. Exactly there you happens. go. Something, something, exactly. something like that. So anyway, it, it's a lot to it. And I, I look, most of the guys that do this and have done it a long time and do it well, they have their own system. They know it works. Uh, and and they do. If you don't enjoy it, you know, then I think it shows. Uh, but every, most people doing this really do enjoy it. Uh, by the way, I need to get pay a compliment publicly. Or this man is as gracious with his time, like he's being here with me and his insight and whatever. And you're as versatile as just about anybody that I know, because I used to watch you doing Sports Center. I've heard you doing Drive Time Fox Sports Radio. In fact, you were right. very complimentary of me mm -hmm. and helped me uh, kind of speaking up to the Fox people. Hey, you should take a look yes. at TJ. Take a listen to TJ doing Fox stuff. Then, then we bring it to play by play, NASCAR hosting. Uh, you obviously enjoy variety. You're one of those guys that goes to the buffet and you want a lot of stuff, <laughs> not just one thing. You enjoy different parts of this business, right? Yes. And it's almost because as a fan growing up as a kid, sports fan, and certainly I enjoy people in sports, but I, I would go one season to the next after football, you know, okay. So baseball, and then there's the Daytona 500 and then we're into, you know, it's after the Super Bowl, Daytona, and then we have spring training and then, oh, and there's the NBA finals in the summer. So it's a year round type of thing that, that as a fan, I enjoyed. And I, I don't know. I, I appreciate it. People want to be specialists in one area and, and I'm not an expert. I'm a broadcaster calling a game and a reporter and a journalist doing it, doing a job in different roles, whether it's reporting, hosting, play by play. And I think there's an advantage to having done a lot of them. I've learned, I learned a lot. I was a reporter on the field for uh, what, five or six Super Bowls with Fox before I got up into the booth. And, and I, and I think that you see, and you know, things from down there that, that and you do the sideline work that you can take up to the booth. And I think it, it, it works in your favor, but yeah, to answer your question, I, yeah, I have my, favorite sports if you said hey you got to pick one or you got to pick two and i i don't want to publicly you know besmirch any of them but I, I know what they are i know what my passion is or what was first in my life in terms of those things but yeah and i'm fortunate to work at a network that, that allows and has enough different sports and, and different options to do you know, there's a lot of people that do different sports i i and do them well doing play by play but it's a, it's a little bit unique to do a studio for one sport a play by play for another and field reporting for another and and that type of thing and i and i, I like i like the challenge in that it keeps you fresh no matter how long you've been in the business box is chris myers with me for just a couple more minutes on the last word on sports media podcast okay along those lines i loved the show when it was originally roy firestone doing it when it was called sports look and it wasn't yes. even on espn and then espn brought it on and then a guy named chris myers eventually started doing those interviews I love that. And I realize for the Gen Zers, for the for the 30 and under crowd, they may not know what we're talking about. But go back, and if you can, on YouTube or wherever and find uh, these shows. They were great half-hour interview shows. Did you have a favorite up-close guest or two that stand out to you from the time of doing that as, as you did it five days a week? Yeah, I had, I had quite a few. And I, I do want to give a shout-out to Roy Firestone because he was one of the mm -hmm. really – truly outstanding interviewers you know i think of people with great interviews howard stern uh, johnny carson because he made everybody yes. feel comfortable right whether it was a big star or 
you know, a woman from Georgia with a, with potato chips that uh, that had a big moment. So I always enjoy how people interviewed. Roy did a great job of bringing that to sports. It was at a time where we didn't have the kind of social media, so players didn't have their own websites, right, or their, their own way to speak out on Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or whatever. So that was the one place athletes could go at Roy Firestone Seven where they could get a half hour of the time, coaches, players, to uh, address people. Uh, and 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 uh, I, and then I took over when he kind of stepped aside, sold it to ESPN, got to do it for four, you know, just four and a half years, and then through the '90s. So uh, I enjoyed that, and it was one of the special things that, uh, and, and I still think a show like that should be out there. And that's kind of what podcasts have, have become. We have time to talk. So, um, but yes, I the, the famous interview is, and, and there'll be a book about this one day. It's, it's the O.J. Simpson interview because it was the first live interview that he did uh, after not only the you know the, the double murder trial uh, but the wrongful death suit which he was found guilty of and was supposed to pay through that so but he came on the show we were trying to have him as an interview long before the the murder ever happened and he still wanted to come on but his request was to do it to do it live that's why he turned down barbara walters he didn't want somebody to tape it and then edit it he wanted he thought he could spin it so that's the one that gets a lot of attention and if you if you mm -hmm. follow them you certainly know about it go back and you can watch that one on youtube and uh very 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 intense it's supposed to be a 30 minute live show we end up going 50 minutes on the fly and and uh, it, was, it was fascinating. But I had favorites like uh, Charles Barkley, who I knew as a player when I interviewed him, that he would be an outstanding talent. And we'd become friends and he's he's his own guy. We don't agree on everything, but but certainly he speaks from the heart. So so he was one who who stood out. Um, there were, gosh, there were a number. You know, I enjoyed talking even to owners back in the day, too. A lot of NFL, you know, there was Jerry Jones going back historically at George Steinbrenner. Uh, DeBartolo and the 49ers back then, uh, and they, they were always fascinating. But wow, when I think of the athletes, the people that came through, the you know, the, the, they were boxers in all sports. It was really uh, it was really kind of a fun time to, to get to know people. But those, those are those are a few that that stood out in the entertainment business. We had sports people on Bill Murray was one it was a lot of fun and we've since become very good friends uh who's a, a really astute uh, sports fan you know uh, not just a, a cubs bears guy but could talk golf um and and so i i think the good part about that was like some of the people i got to strike up friendships with whether it was a brett Favre or a troy aikman or you know going through at, at the time and then what they did after their career and you, and you and you stay in touch but that was an enjoyable time Love all of that. In a closing moment or two, you put a classic photo up on social media of you doing radio, and it's gotten a lot of attention because the audience will just have to visualize or go find Chris's Twitter. He's got the butterfly collar open with the shirt, the, the total 70s like disco look going to do radio. I love, I love the photo. But you had a radio background before the TV background, and you told me this story, and I want you to, to fill it in. That at the beginning of your radio career in Miami, you got like two big time interviews right away. And right. I have joked with you, you should have walked off. You should have dropped the <laughs> mic and retired. Right. Who were those yeah. two big time radio interviews, please? Uh, Muhammad Ali and Don Shula. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. oh, yeah. only Muhammad yeah. Ali and only yeah. the Don Shula. The, yeah, the Don Shula. Well, the, yeah, the it was that radio, National Radio Day. So I posted a picture from WKAT, Cat with a K, 5,000 watts on Miami Beach, right? Which uh, <laughs> at the 70s, I was still in high school. I would leave an algebra class and, you know, rush to get to the station to get on. But and you'll appreciate this, uh, that, that uh, TJ, that I, I got the gig by calling in on the radio show, mm -hmm. you're supposed to call once a night. I was Chris from Miami. I had a deep voice when I was supposed to be doing homework. And then I would hang up and dial back and disguise my voice. And I was like Duke, Duke from North Miami. And I'd agree with my earlier call so I could get more airtime. <laughs> and eventually they invited both of me down to the radio station. And they're like to see this kid at the door. My dad had to drive him my license yet. 
and it drive me down. He said, son, you're gonna have to tell them the truth. And they said, well, do you want to work here on weekends or something? You like talking sports. And so that is kind of, so you, you never forget your roots. So my roots are in radio and then of course, TV and the growth of right. networks and social media. So it, it's a, uh, yeah, you don't forget. Where that. did By the you way, interview set, Ali? Where did you interview Ali? I'm just uh, curious. At the uh, Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami Beach. He was training and they sent me, uh, and I, I was just, you know, on weekends doing the radio show, but when, when they didn't have enough reporters, they said, get, get, get your tape recorder, go out and interview this, you know, this Ali's an entertaining boxer. He's going to have this fight. I, you know, I was aware, but I, I didn't know at the time that the greatest of all time, but he did tease me. He made some remark about because I had long hair and you're not as dumb as you look, kid, or you know, one of one of those got a few laughs and, and that type <laughs> of thing. And and Don Shula was was tough. I mean, as an interview, you know, he was disciplined, just like he was as a coach. He's like, I, I said, you have time for a couple of questions. He goes, that's two, two questions. Go ahead, you know. And so I would ask two, and I would start to ask a third. He politely look at his watch, like, okay, kid, you know, it's like you got to learn how to. So you learn right away uh, the framing of, of that. But yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good start. I mean, I had Jesse Owens come into the radio show back in time. When I think back of some of those interviews, and then since, obviously with Fox, you know, interviewing a, a Tom Brady or, you know, yeah. uh, Barry Bonds, et cetera, et cetera, through the ESPN and, and, and Fox days. But the radio, I, I'm, I'm grateful for, as you know, it gives you a chance of ad-libbing, interviewing skills, working on all those things and enjoying it as a sports fan that you can later turn into to some other things. No doubt. Listen, you've been most gracious with the time with me. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you again for Buccaneers and Baltimore Ravens in the preseason finale. Looks like we'll see some starters in that game. Regular season NFL on Fox. He'll begin with Carolina and Atlanta. Robert Smith and Jen Hale are part of his team working on the NFL on Fox. Chris Myers, thank you. Most gracious to hang with me and share some great insight on a very diverse career that you have thank you <laughs> all right thank you i didn't know we were going to go down memory lane I, but it's always good talking in I'll, I'll see you out at a game somewhere i'm sure and i have to say it that photo fans find it it deserves a wow that deserves a wow, a wow <laughs> on the photo go, go find it i love it all right so there you go. And one more time, thanks to him for taking the time. Uh, appreciate Chris, his professionalism, his friendship uh, with me over the years. Again, we've been around each other. He's been doing the Buccaneer preseason games for right at, I believe this is season 20 for him. This is year 19 for me being part of the radio broadcast. We've been around each other every August over and over and over again, uh, with the exception of the 2020 COVID-19 crazy year where there were no preseason games. Uh, and Chris is uh, Chris has always done a fantastic job uh, with all those different forms and facets of broadcasting. So I hope you enjoyed that uh, as well. All right, we got to get out of here. We've got uh, the preseason wrapping up. We got college football weekend zero uh, that's that's coming up. They call it week zero because it's before the Labor Day traditional start to college football. So college football is here. The baseball is about to uh, to wind into October in the postseason. And before you know it, the NBA, the NHL, and much more. Uh, will be there as well. So we look forward to all of that. And not just on this podcast, the last word on sports media podcast, but George Offman on this feed as well with Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. His season nine is upcoming. I believe Tom Waddle, the former Bear, the Chicago sports radio and TV personality in Chicago is going to be his first guest to start the football season up coming up soon. So check out George here on this podcast feed. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. And also Mike and Phil with the Announcer Schedules podcast. They'll have the full rundown of who's doing those week zero games in college football, TV, radio. Same thing with the NFL preseason concluding, your Major League Baseball. Who are those announcers? Who's doing it well? They've got great highlight calls, interviews themselves on announcer schedules, the podcast on this feed as well. That'll do it. 
Uh, for the last word on Sports Media Podcast for this week, make sure you're following or subscribing on all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, connect more with all the great content and the podcast content at lastwordonsports.com slash podcast. That's lastwordonsports.com slash podcast for all the content that's there. For now, my thanks again to Chris Myers of the NFL on Fox. That does deserve a wow. Love him uh, and love him being with me. Here is the latest edition of the Last Word on Sports media podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.